Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Video Games Daily. I'm Scott Johnson. How's it going? Hey, uh, real quick. If you want to listen, Sonic the Hedgehog, that's a thing. All right. Whether you like it or not, Sonic the Hedgehog is a big deal for a lot of people. Just not for some of us, okay? So this isn't for me. This may not be for some of you, but some of you may be super stoked about celebrating Sonic's 26th birthday with rad new sneakers. That's right. Sega is selling stylish Sonic slip-ons. They look like his stupid shoes with the, the white stripe, right? I don't know why you'd wear these, but anyway. It's a 26-year anniversary. That means some kid, some baby was born when Sonic came out, and bam, he's a 26-year-old adult working on his 30s. It's crazy. There's an entire Twitter account dedicated to his birthday. It's got a list of ways fans can help celebrate with Sonic. These are limited edition sneakers. So if you want them, you got to act fast. It's Jap- uh, Japan's Anippon collaborated with Sonic the Hedgehog brand to produce swanky slip-ons, <laughs> which are modeled right after Sonic's own footwear. Unlike Sonic's shoes, though, these have the Speedster's name printed right on the heel. It will also not help you run any faster than you currently do. They will put you back about 70... Eh, what is that in yen? 7,020 yen. That's about 63 bucks US. They come in three sizes. And uh, they're on sale today. So if you want to go check that stuff out, you can. There's other things as well, but... I mean, what else is there? There's just the sneakers. Titanfall 2 is getting new maps. And more in some free DLC coming out next. Well, is it next week? Yeah, it is next week. It's called The War Games. Where do you like to play a game? Ask your parents. Uh, anyway, Titanfall's <laughs> Titanfall 2's sixth add-on, The War Games, will bring in two new maps and a game-changing feature when it launches June 27th. That is next week, in fact. Developer Respawn Entertainment announced it this week. The main camp, or the main uh, map, I keep getting words mixed up. The main map War Games is an urban environment created in a pilot simulator pod. Features a mix of wide open city streets for Titan combat and multi-story buildings with large windows for pilot battles. Sounds alright. There's a lot of Tron stuff in here like trippy looking blue lines and like circuit boardy looking stuff. The other one is a map called uh, let's see Live Fire? Oh, it's called Traffic. I'm sorry. Live Fire is the mode. I knew that was a mode. That's why I was confused. It's called Traffic. It's for the mode Live Fire. Uh, it's a pilots-only mode that the studios added to uh, Titanfall 2 in February. So that's that mode is still sort of new. And uh, also, you're getting the uh, add-on, or the add-on has an exclusive execution named Shadow Boxing. I guess players can unlock that by getting 20 pilot uh, kills while a Hollow Pilot ability is active. Anyway. Maybe the most intriguing new feature of this thing is the third weapon slot for pilots. That's a big deal. That's a major increase to what that game is capable of in multiplayer. Who's still playing this? Because I, I really like Titanfall 2. I, maybe I need to get back in there. They're giving all this free stuff away. I feel like it got overlooked last year, but it's time to go back. So get it. You got a PlayStation 4, a Windows PC, or an Xbox One? You're in good shape. Here's how Destiny 2 will honor Destiny veterans. You thought they forgot about you, didn't you? They thought, oh, now you're going to make the game we we're probably going to always should have. <laughs> that wasn't a very good English sentence. But now you're going to just leave us in the dust. All your faithful have been there since day one. Well, by the time it launches in September, it will have been a total of three years since the original Destiny, which is crazy. That time went really fast. Bungie and Activision are hoping the sequel will bring a lot of new people in. Longtime Destiny players who've been clamoring for it and want to have their achievements in the previous game recognized, well, 
Looks like you might get some of that. Anyway, they're keeping some of their cards close to their vest, that is to say Bungie, but to preserve a sense of discovery for Destiny players entering Destiny 2, they want to make sure you can enjoy the subtle you-had-to-be-there nods to Destiny's uh, legacy. So there's sort of a lot of visual and otherwise hints of things you've seen before. They didn't real they didn't show or say what these actual details were going to be. But uh you'll see some of that. But here's how they're going to reveal or give give you the most love and that is emblems. They will memorialize players achievements in Destiny with at least 7 emblems. Four of them are invisible. Sorry, impossible, not invisible. They're visible. That'd be dumb if they're invisible. They're impossible to get right now if you haven't already obtained them. All right, because these are accomplishments from the game's first two years of its life, so way back. And if you just got into Destiny, tough, tough luck. You're probably not going to get it. Uh, Laurel Triumphant. You completed a Monument of Triumph during Destiny's first year. Another example is Slayer of Oryx. You own the Taken King and completed the Monument of Triumph during Destiny's second year. Heard the Call is another one. I mean, there's are basically just like achievement. What's this like? You know what it's like? Uh, feats of Strength. Is what this is like over there in uh, in uh, World of Warcraft. They have that going on, so you have a way to sort of remember all the early stuff you did, even when they deprecate that stuff. So, anyway, if you want to be a lore scholar, you uh, would have had to have achieved a Grimoire score of over fifty. Sorry, five thousand in Destiny One. I guess that's high. I don't play a lot of Destiny, as you can tell. <laughs> anyway, more on Destiny Two soon. It's all coming out very soon. I can't wait. You guys remember Machinarium? I do. It's a beautiful game. Little robot in there. It's kind of a point-and-click puzzle game. Walk around, fix stuff, find things, break things, solve puzzles, all that. Well, uh, I'm excited about this news. Machinarium is being modernized with a brand new engine and more. It's hard to believe it's still considered a classic, but the Czech studio Amanita Design. Am I saying that right? Amanita Design. Aminata design, maybe. Anyway, they have updated it. One of the most beloved graphic uh, adventure games ever in the past decade, really, but certainly more than that. They're going to put a new engine in there and add game uh, pad support, which they haven't done before. They say, quote, we've reprogrammed Machinarium from the scratch. This is all part of their community announcement over on Steam. The original game ran in Flash, which didn't allow to scale well across different screen sizes and so on. They have now replaced that with a custom DirectX-based engine that works well on high uh, high-end uh, modern high-resolution displays. Even as a full-screen view. Which I think the other one did too, but it just looked kind of crappy. Anyway, gamepad compatibility, which is pretty cool. So you can get in Steam Big Picture mode. Game explicitly uh, works with the Xbox 360, Xbox One controllers, and offers experimental support for others. That includes PS4, Steam controller, and more. There's also 12 new Steam achievements, Steam Cloud saves, Steam leaderboard functionality, and localization up to 14 different languages. Now, why do I mention all of this? Because if you missed it the first time around, when it came out in 2009, that's nearly, what is that, 11, uh, eight year, nine years old almost? That's crazy. Uh, worldwide, up until this point, they've sold four million, of that, 4 million copies of that game. So, if you already own the game, uh, it doesn't say whether or not you'll get a deal. But, if you want the current game, oh, you know what? This is the same update. This is the same game. Ooh, I might have to... Okay, I misunderstood. That was a whole new deal. I think this is the update to the existing game. Hey, look, if I'm wrong, send me an email and yell at me. But it looks like it's on sale on the uh, Steam Summer Sale for only $249. Speaking of which, I picked up some titles, finally, um, that I've been wanting for a very long time. I'll be talking about more of those, not only here, but on the uh, the Boop Show, which happens weekly over at frogpants.com slash boop, so watch for that. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Do you guys remember Machinarium? I do. It's a beautiful game. A little robot in there. It's kind of a point-and-click puzzle game. Walk around, fix stuff, find things, break things. It's all puzzles, all that. Well... Uh, I'm excited about this news. Machinarium 
is being modernized with a brand new engine and more. It's hard to believe it's still considered a classic, but the Czech studio Amentita Design. Am I saying that right? Amentita Design. Amenata Design, maybe. Anyway. They have updated it. One of the most beloved graphic uh, adventure games ever in the past decade, really. But certainly more than that. They're going to put a new engine in there and add game uh, pad support, which they haven't done before. They say, quote, we've reprogrammed Machinarium from the scratch. This is all part of their community announcement over on Steam. The original game ran in Flash, which didn't allow to scale well across different screen sizes and so on. They have now replaced that with a custom DirectX-based engine that works well on high uh, high-end modern, uh, modern high-resolution displays, even as a full-screen view, which I think the other one did too, but it just looked kind of crappy. Anyway, gamepad compatibility, which is pretty cool. So you can get in Steam Big Picture mode. Game explicitly uh, works with the Xbox 360, Xbox One controllers, and offers experimental support for others. That includes PS4, Steam controller, and more. It's also 12 new Steam achievements, Steam Cloud saves, Steam leaderboard functionality, and localization up to 14 different languages. Now, why do I mention all of this? Because if you missed it the first time around, when it came out in 2009, that's nearly, what is that, 11, uh, eight year, nine years old almost? That's crazy. Uh, worldwide, up until this point, they've sold 4 million, of that, 4 million copies of that game. So, if you already own the game, uh, it doesn't say whether or not you'll get a deal. But, if you want the current game, oh, you know what? This is the same update. This is the same game. Ooh, I might have to... Okay, I misunderstood. That was a whole new deal. I think this is the update to the existing game. Hey, look, if I'm wrong, send me an email and yell at me. But it looks like it's on sale on the uh, Steam Summer Sale for only $249. Speaking of which, I picked up some titles, finally, um, that I've been wanting for a very long time. I'll be talking about more of those, not only here, but on the uh, the Boop Show, which happens weekly over at frogpants.com slash boop, so watch for that. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Guys, uh, here I am. You thought the last few days I had disappeared, that there were no video games daily. Well, there were, but I didn't do them. Uh, Nerdtacular week is this week, starting tomorrow night and all this week, really, with preparation and everything else, is my big uh, fan event, the 10th anniversary, last of its kind, happening right here in Snowbird, Utah. So I have been up to my neck, but I had some time here, and I wanted to get in one of these. So I hope you guys enjoy it. By the way, the Star Fox 2 team could not be more pumped and excited about their game finally coming out 22 years later. On the Super NES Classic coming out in September, which we haven't really talked about. I have some more info on that here in a second. But more than 20 years in the cancellation pile. This is actually a huge deal. Dylan Cuthbert, a former uh, Argonaut software developer, now leads up Q Games, has spent the week celebrating the project's rebirth with fellow members of the Argonaut and Nintendo teams who worked on the game. Uh, They all went out, had drinks, took pictures of each other. That's all very cool. It's going to be very surreal playing it, he told another Twitter user. It's so long ago that it will feel fresh. And if you uh, didn't catch the news, the SNES Classic Edition will see full uh, see a full build of that game finally out in the wild. It's also uh, going to be here on September 29th with the original Star Fox also included for the complete SNES Star Fox collection. Uh, that's all happening very, very soon. Would you like to know the games that are coming with this thing? Has anyone told you? Oh, they haven't? Okay, I'll tell you real fast. Contra 3, Alien Wars. Donkey Kong Country, F-Zero, Final Fantasy VI, Fire Emblem, uh, Mystery of the Emblem, Legend of the Mystical Ninja, Kirby Superstar, Mega Man X, Panel de Pawn, Secret of Mana, Star Fox, Star Fox 2, mentioned those already, Super Soccer, Super Ghouls and Ghosts, Super Mario Kart, Super Mario World, Super Mario World 2 Yoshi's Island, Super Metroid, Super Mario, sorry, Super Street Fighter 2, The New Challengers, and The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past. It's a nice lineup. Some additional stuff about the Super NES Classic Edition. It's already going for way more on retail, or than retail, rather, on eBay already. Of course it freaking is. If you're waiting on that American pre-order, I guess this is an option for you, though, if you want to do this. 
People are still keeping an eye out for how you can buy the Super Nintendo Classic Edition stateside. There is one option that uh, will work for the most desperate of us. A British eBay outpost has several SNES Classic Editions, or as it's known over there, the SNES Nintendo Classic Mini. It's weird. I don't know why they have to have different names. Anyway, with prices set anywhere from 100 to 200 British pounds from a brick-and-mortar retailer, the system's going to cost you about 80 pounds. It's about 70 bucks here, 69 or so. Uh, it's no surprise. This is what happens on eBay, right? The weird bit is, you know, we don't have the damn thing yet, but uh, we would not... Rec- I, I, I'm going to say, as I, when I say we, I mean me, okay? You don't have to take my advice if you don't want to. My advice is, Europeans, those in the UK... Do not drop 200 pounds on this thing. That's nearly $260 US. Hang on just for a little bit. Let's see how constrained, uh, you know, retail is. Whether it's going to be hard to get the damn things or not. I personally can't freaking wait for this thing. And I don't even know why. I've got a retro pie. Why do I need this? Because it's cool. Breaking news. Nintendo and Mario dominated E3's 2017 Game Critics Awards. I didn't mean for today to be so Nintendo-heavy, you guys. I really didn't. It wasn't on purpose. I can promise you that. Uh, but, yeah, Nintendo doing all right. In terms of uh, the, the critics, anyway. There are the Game Critics Awards. These honors are given by the world's foremost gaming publications. Uh, this all comes down to what they thought was the most playable stuff of E3. And who came out on top. The top three awards all went to Nintendo Switch titles. Super Mario Odyssey, that one best of show, and best console game. Best original game went to Ubisoft's Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Can't wait for that. Uh, these two games are also the only ones to win in multiple categories. Uh, Kingdom Battle also took the best strategy game honor, and Odyssey won the hotly contested best action slash adventure game award over competitors, strong ones too, like Assassin's Creed Origins and Middle-Earth Shadow of War, God of War, that kind of stuff. Anyway, Nintendo led all publishers uh, with four awards. Company was only nominated in five of the 17 categories, though. And uh, it was defeated by, let's see, they're, they're on the best fighting game field. They were defeated by Arc System Works Dragon Ball Fighter Z. A lot of people talking about that. Anyway, there you go. Do you guys want to know what the best hardware peripheral was? Xbox One X. Best action game voted? Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus. Uh, best racing game? Forza uh, Motorsport 7. FIFA 18 for best sports game. Best independent game went to The Artful Escape of Francis Vendetti. Anyway, there's a few others. You can go seek those out if you like. Well done, everybody. Especially the big N. Finally, a break from Nintendo news. 4K assets for games will only go out to Xbox One X owners. So if you get an Xbox One or an Xbox One S, as in Sam, you will not be forced to download a bunch of extra content to take advantage of the 4K uh, graphics included with the Xbox One X. I shouldn't say included, but the games that are made to do that. So like Forza Motorsport 7 is going to have 4K graphics in it. It's going to have 4K texture mapping, all kinds of stuff that adds up to a much larger download. The point is you will not uh, have to download those giant downloads if you do not have an Xbox One X. And that seems pretty good. That seems optimized. You know? I mean, here's the contrast. Downloads for their games on the PlayStation 4 Pro are forced to get that stuff, even if you've only got a regular PS4 or a PS4 Slim or whatever that other one is. The newer, smaller one. And uh, there's some confirmation from Microsoft about that. They say that is absolutely what will happen. Forza Motorsport 7, can't say that word right today, on the Xbox One X looks like it's about 100 gigabytes per download. That means there's a whole lot of uh, content in there. We have made a feature which will give developers significant flexibility when it comes to what gets installed on a user's console, according to Microsoft in a statement. Uh, that language includes, oh, that specifically also includes language specific assets, they say, which can slim the size of the download. In any case, um, 
the developers get to choose. So if you get a giant download from some third party, you can't blame Microsoft. They made it so that doesn't be a problem. Hey, uh, that's going to do it for today's show. I'm unsure if tomorrow there will be one or not. Probably not, although I may do something remote. This is when uh, the, the poop hits the fan. I'll be at the event space uh, welcoming people there, getting all set up for our panels over the weekend. But there is a very good chance you will get me at least back by Sunday, possibly a bit of content here and there, uh, tomorrow, Friday, and Saturday. All right? And if you're coming to Nerdtacular, come say hi. Have me sign stuff. I'll see you guys soon. Take it easy. Bye. Hey everybody, Scott Johnson here with uh, Video Games Daily. I was gone for a few days. I apologize. I had our big fan event, big uh, mini convention here in Salt Lake City, and it was nuts. I think I warned you before that it wasn't going to be a lot of stuff between now and then, but or then and now. But I'm back at it, finally back in the saddle, and here to give you today's hot gaming headlines, like this one. The PlayStation 4 games have joined PlayStation Now. Ooh, ooh, not all of them, but some of them. You can play streaming PlayStation 4 games on your PC. Previous to now, that was not possible. You can only do it with PlayStation 3 uh, games and maybe some PS2 stuff. I don't know. Actually, I never tried that. But subscribers to Sony's game service, PlayStation Now, how, now have access to a select group, PlayStation 4 games. Sony added 20 PS4 games to the library this week. That brought the total number of titles available for you to stream at 500. Well, that would include PlayStation 2, wouldn't it? Uh, previous to now, it was limited to PlayStation 3 titles. Well, it says limited to, so were there that many titles on the PS3? Jeez. I don't know, that seems like a lot to me. Anyway, the addition of the PlayStation 4 uh, games means that subscribers on Windows PC will get a chance to play games from Sony's current generation platform. Here are the 20 titles that were just added. Killzone Shadowfall, God of War 3 Remastered, Saints Row 4 Reelected. Uh, there's a WWE game in here, Tropico 4, F1 215, Darksiders 2 Definitive Edition, Evolve, MX vs. ATV Supercross Encore, Rezogun, that's definitely a PS4 game, Helldivers, also that, Broken Age, Dead Nation Apocalypse Edition, Grim Fandango Remastered, Guilty Gear, uh, Third Sign or XRD Sign, I don't know how you say that, Castle Storm Definitive Edition, Exist Archive, The Other Side of the Sky. That sounds like some anime BS to me. Uh, Arcadia, sorry, Arcania Complete Tale, Nidhogg, and Super Mega Baseball. It's just going to cost you $19.99 a month. So, go get it. Cuphead will not be coming to PlayStation 4. Sorry about this. It's a Windows PC and Xbox One exclusive. Full stop. No questions asked. Don't know if that means anything about sequels or follow-ups, but uh, Cuphead, the charming hand-drawn co-op game that's been blowing everybody's mind since, what, E3 2013? 14, maybe? 15, maybe? I don't know. Anyway, got finally announced they were going to have a release date for this damn thing this year at E3. And people will finally get their hands on it September 29th when it launches exclusively on Windows 10 and Xbox One. PlayStation 4 owners are screwed. You're not going to get it. Not coming to your platform. Following a very lengthy write-up on GamesRadar last week, Cuphead's developers showed on NeoGAF, or sorry, showed up on NeoGAF to clear up a few misunderstandings. Chief among them are their terms of exclusivity with Microsoft. So some reader asked... Uh, if the game was 100% lifetime PC Microsoft exclusive, to which Cuphead team gave the following response. So this game is 100% lifetime PC Microsoft exclusive. I'm not, or I'm seeing mixed information. This probably won't get answered. Oh, that's still part of the question. He says this, this Cuphead game is exclusive to Microsoft and PC with Steam and Windows 10 versions at launch and good old games likely after that. So you are going to get it on Steam. That's where I'm going to play it. They uh, there, there will likely be a Mac version down the road and possibly a Linux version beyond that. And that's it. Uh, they also say they own the Cuphead IP. So they get to sort of choose 
what they're going to do with it. If you've not seen the latest trailers for this thing, do yourselves a favor, check it out, and then go buy an Xbox or get it on PC because, man, it looks really cool. So if you wanted to see something a little bit weird, how about the Rayman's Lost Super NES Prototype? It wasn't a full game. It was like a straight-up prototype. 24 years ago, somebody made it, and it got canceled. But a small bit of the original is now playable. Weird. Uh, this happened, looks like, back in October. Rayman uh, creator, Mich- is it Michelle Ancel? hope I'm saying it right. It's that French dude over there at Ubisoft. <laughs> uh, uncovered an early prototype for the unreleased Super Nintendo version of the first Rayman, which hadn't been seen in 24 years. And then he uploaded some screenshots to Instagram that caused all sorts of hoo-ha, you know, people freaking out. And now, game developer Omar Cornut uploaded the prototype to Dropbox, making it freely accessible to anyone. I don't know why you put that on Dropbox, though. It's just going to eat up your your use. They have, a, they have a cap for how much you pull data on your Dropbox account. That seems dumb to me. But anyway. Uh, it looks bad. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I understand. It was a long time ago, and, you know, Super NES was what it was, and we were happy to have it and all that, but it doesn't look that great. Uh... This Cornut guy has digitally preserved other games in the past. He's focused mainly on Sega's 8-bit era, like uh, the Master System era. But a lot of his work has moved on to other stuff as well. Uh, One in particular uh, was Wonder Boy The Dragon's Trap, which was a remake of the 89 platformer for the Master System. I hear that's real good, by the way. He directed that. Anyway, the Rayman prototype can be played with most NES er, Super, Super NES emulators. And uh, while there is some uh, historical significance, the download is just a megabyte and contains one static area of a level and no enemies in it still. But if you want to see a little bit of history of everyone's favorite weird disjointed what's wrong with your limbs weirdo character man, now's your chance. A speedrunner has beaten Castlevania's world record twice in one night. What kind of what kind of crazy deal is that? <laughs> uh, have you guys been watching the Summer Games Done Quick 2017 stuff? It's been real entertaining. Been enjoying the hell out of it. I also like on, on uh, Twitch, every time you log in, you'll see, why is Mega Man 2 the most watched game on Twitch? And then you realized, oh, because it's part of the Summer Games Done Quick deal. Anyway, a speedrunner named Dragon Blitz beat his own record in Castlevania Symphony of the Night's glitchless run category. And uh, he also did it with a practice run, but that didn't count. Uh, in the same night, beat it twice. Uh, during the official stream, he appeared to beat it again without any armor or weapons. That's crazy. He clocked in at 32 minutes and 59 seconds during the actual stream. Uh, backstage, he did it in 32.49 uh, so it was just a little bit over his practice run, but anyway, he still beat his previous or pre- beat the previous world record by ten seconds. A practical mountain of time in the world of speedrunning. This stuff is crazy, man. I mean, just blah, just insane. Uh, the glitchless category is interesting too because what you do is you don't, you know, you're not looking for weird holes in the game or problems or secret. Uh, tunnels or whatever, you know, like it's it's supposed to be just a straight up run through the game. Whereas other speed runs involve, you know, the other categories are like, oh well, there's this weird bug on level three that made it so you could skip eight levels, or there's this strange platform that glitched out, and if you hit A enough times, it would let you, you know, float over to some other thing or whatever, and you could get there quicker. But uh, I kind of prefer the glitchless stuff, to be honest. All right, now. There's been an update to the story. Beep, 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 boop, 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 beep. There was an issue with SGDQ's timer. Dragon Blitz's run of Castlevania is now officially not the new world record. Matt Merkel. It's according to, uh, let's see, he's with Games Done Quick, director of operations. He told a couple of magazines uh, via email when they were contacted that he recalculated his time to complete 
Uh, and let's see, this resulted in a time of 33.27, which would not qualify as world record. Uh, let's see, this time is still timed by hand, so it isn't perfect, but should be within a second or two. So it looks like, uh, here you go, here's your, here's your thing, here's your, here's your trophy. Oh, sorry, I got to take it away. Oh, geez. Better luck next time. Sounds like the kind of guy that can probably figure it out. Thanks, everybody. I'll see you tomorrow. We're back at it. Thanks for listening to Video Games Daily. We'll see you then. Welcome back to Video Games Daily. I'm Scott Johnson, and Mass Effect Andromeda is shedding its DRM. So so much for that weirdness. This is the latest patch of the PC version of Mass Effect Andromeda. It has removed its anti-tamper protection. Weird, right? Uh, somebody noticed the change today over at uh, Dark Side of Gaming, which I guess they're very focused on DRM issues in the gaming world. And uh, they say that the uh, the the protected Electronic Arts Origin client obviously is there, but the PC version of the game is only on sale through Origin. Um, and they stripped out some weird DRM that they had in there before, which is probably good. Uh, so it doesn't necessarily mean that now you can all run out and crack the game and share it with your friends. I think Origin is still a pretty good method is to protecting that stuff kind of like steam is for a lot of games uh if you don't like drm in your game you probably can't get away with you know avoid it completely unless you go to good old games where they you know that's one of their trademarks is they don't have drm in the games that they carry but they're not going to carry everything so if you held off on getting andromeda for the pc so sad too bad but chunks of it are now gone so if you don't if you want just some drm in your uh, chicken pot pie, then that's what you're going to get now. Just a little DRM. It's like a little cat poo in your cake. You'll never notice it. Well, things got real weird over at Overwatch today. Not weird. This is what they want. Overwatch League... Reportedly has added Robert Kraft and Fred Whip Wilpon. Is that how you say that guy's name? Among six secured partners. But anyway, we're talking about some high-profile investing here. This was reported on ESPN on, looks like, Thursday. They mentioned six secured agreements with teams for Overwatch League franchises in the city of Los Angeles, New York, San Francisco, Boston, Shanghai, and Seoul, South Korea. Uh, the Boston franchise, according to ESPN, has been secured by Kraft Sports Group. This is the company behind the New England Patriots. Boo. Uh, according to ESPN, the New York franchise will be handled by Fred Wilpon, the owner of the Mets. Of course, that's a major league baseball team for those not in the awareness mode. Um, this all builds on earlier reports that, you know, big markets like Los Angeles and others were spotting, you know, were getting big investors who are like yo we're gonna bring them to these to these uh to these businesses or to our franchises uh there's already looks like uh the immortals esports organization which is an la uh position in in an la uh what am i trying to say they're based in la already have prominent teams in league of legends and counter-strike global offensive so they seem like a i don't know an obvious pick they were the winners of north america's overwatch contender season zero tournament as well so they know what they're doing uh, they acquired their Los Angeles location for $20 million buy-in. That's the same price that was reportedly paid for our, uh, NRG Esports for a San Francisco-based spot. And there is zero word yet on who has purchased the agreements for Seoul and Shanghai. But you can bet things are heating up, and it's all very exciting. <laughs> Some of you woke up this morning and said, why does Ark Survival Evolve suddenly cost twice as much as it used to? Well, (laughs) it's that tricky move from early access to retail, and it can be a little challenging. So Steam's early access uh, ended for Survival Evolved, Ark that is for short, or just Ark is what people call it, in June of 2015, or that's when it started rather, I shouldn't say ended. And it became one of the best-selling PC titles of that year. 
So now, Studio Wildcard prepares for a full commercial release, and the game has suddenly jumped to twice the price. It was $29.99. It is now $59.99. People have reached out to ask them why. No response back yet. Oh, it looks like somebody actually got an answer. Yeah, here it is. Polygon got uh, got notice that the increase was necessary given the realities of a retail sales model dependent on pre-orders. Interesting. Uh, as we head toward the finish line for ARC and launching it at retail, the retailers wouldn't allow a price discrepancy between digital retailers and physical resale- resellers, says community manager and associate producer Jathesh Kirkarakanon. I'm sure I got that right. This is all in an email that he sent. Given ARC has over three times as much content now as our initial early access launch, we agreed with the requirement to match the digital price to the disc price when pre-orders started. Otherwise, it would be out of the question to see ARC on shop shelves with a simultaneous release. I think that makes total sense. I don't have a problem with this. If you waited this long and now you're just going to finally get it, well, you know, that's the advantage of early access. Throw a little money at it early. It's less money. You get the game. You get it in a rough state, but you see it evolve over time. And then when the final thing's done, you've already paid for it and you own it. And you don't have to go spend 59 Them's the breaks. I don't see how people could be mad about this. Especially, I mean, if you waited this long, did you care about this game anyway? It was somebody sitting around going, I'm just going to sit here and wait until it's done and then pay my $29.99. There's no guarantee. Most games go up when they're out of early access. Now, maybe they could have been more upfront about that. I guess that's possible. But I'm curious what you think. Scott at frogpants.com if you want to talk about it. I got bad news, player unknown battlegrounds fans, player unknowns battlegrounds fans. It's hard to say. The game is being delayed. Early access development will continue until the end of the year. You remember when they said they were going to be out of there by what? September or something? Anyway, the full release of the game, the survival shooter that sold more than 4 million copies on Steam, the game's great, has been delayed until the fourth quarter of 2017. That's a little bit vague. No actual date date, but a quarter. The creator, Brendan Player Unknown Green, posted a short update on Steam overnight and wrote that he has publicly said that he and his team, Blue Hole, were committed to uh, sorry remaining in early access for no more than six months. That window is becoming too limiting. Over the past few months, I've done a lot of interviews, Green said, and in many of them, I said we hope to be out of early access in six months after we launch. Or sorry, after we first launch. I've come to realize that restricting the window to a specific month could hinder us from delivering a fully featured game, and I and or lead to what? And sorry feature game and or lead to disappointment within the community if the launch deadline were not met. We have decided that we're going to push the full launch back a bit from the initial six-month time frame. I want to ensure or assure all of you that we're still planning on a full release before the end of quarter four, 2017. So, not that big a deal. Again, this might be a game you want to buy into now, so if it goes up on launch, you do not have to pay extra money. I got some good news. That music may be making you wonder if I got good news about Hearthstone. Well, I do. And many of you already know this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Knights of the Frozen Throne expansion has been announced. And it turns all the heroes, all nine of you, into the undead, into death knights with 135 new cards. They also introduced new single-player missions launching in August. Those single-player missions do not cost you money, by the way. They're just playable, which I think is interesting. Uh, but anyway, as with most expansions, this is about the 135 new cards. But it also for, uh, marks the first time in the game's history where Blizzard has released two full-size expansions in a row. Previously, the developer has split up major expansions with smaller adventure sets that added around 40 cards apiece. These are a lot more cards all at once, obviously. Um, they announced it earlier this year. They said they're going to do away with the concept of standalone paid adventure sets. Instead, beginning with Knights of the Frozen Throne... Each of these expansions will include free single-player missions, and uh, they'll be the variety used to that sort of used to exist in those other expansions. So what you got out of those adventures, if you enjoyed that single-player portion of those things, that's what you're going to have moving forward from Throne on. Uh, there will be, as part of that content, uh, let's see, two wings of three boss fights, uh, fi- boss fights each, not fights, 
along with a prologue and a final boss fight. Uh, for each wing player's complete, including that final boss, you will earn a free Knights of the Frozen Throne card pack for a total of three packs. And, uh, of course, a bunch of new cards. Uh, there's Lifesteal is now an actual uh, card term, not just a thing they describe with the text, so Lifesteal will probably be applied to some older cards as well. Lots and lots of other major changes. I recommend going to the official site and checking it out. They put out a pretty great video of the whole thing. Uh, might just get me more interested in getting back into Hearthstone from what I can tell. Plus, you get to be a Death Knight, man. Death Knight Jaina, bring her on. All good things come to an end. Sometimes even boring, dumb things come to an end. As is evidenced by the announcement that Firefall is officially dead and is shutting down today. The team behind the MMO... Was it ever an MMO, really? Anyway, they gave players 48 hours notice is all. (laughs) Uh, There is a mobile game in development, but I don't know if that's still getting getting done. But here's what they said. This is developer Red5. They're done. They're out. They said this with heavy hearts. We regret to inform you that after much review and analysis, Red 5 Studios Studios rather has decided to suspend the Firefall efforts on 7th of July, 2017. That's today. Oh, that was actually yesterday. Ouch. Uh, thank you for being an important part of Firefall's experience and for your loyalty and dedication to the online community. They say they plan to continue Firefall in a different form, this time in some sort of mobile game. Firefall was... I don't know if you guys remember. It was like... A huge development process. It took them freaking forever. It was announced in 2010, and they were trying to get first-person shooter and MMO stuff together. Lots of ex-Blizzard guys involved in this, and a few other from other devs where you're like, oh yeah, that seems like a good thing. Anyway, the game was eventually moved from a paid model to become free-to-play like these all tend to do. And the gameplay was, it was, I don't know, it was alright. It was a pretty game, but it felt weird. Then they had layoffs, then they had some weird new CEO stuff, and then we had uh, the founder leave, and that didn't go well. Uh, They missed payroll back in 2015. Uh, A rough development period for this game, and it makes me sad. And every year at PAX, and uh, uh, I guess both PAX East and PAX Prime, they had a huge booth, gigantic booth. I think they probably spent too much money on that and not enough on their game. But anyway, sad day. If you're a Firefall fan, and I'm curious if any of you are actually playing it. I'm thinking not. Well, we certainly can't round things out today without talking about Overwatch's new hero, Doomfist. You can finally check out in a couple of different forms. There's a development video with Jeff Kaplan talking about him and talking about his abilities and what he does and all that. They show some previews of that. The website, of course, has a bunch of stuff, but also there is a Doomfist origin story anime short film out. It's not quite the same as the CGI stuff, but it's pretty cool. I said on the instance of the other day I would be happy to watch a a fully fleshed out anime version of this game or of some of the stories within it, but anyway... Lots of speculation about this character, and finally, he'll be in Overwatch. He's in the PTR right now, probably on the public servers come Tuesday. The game's 25th hero is out for PC players. Sorry, console, you have to wait until launch day. Anyway, he is a cybernetically enhanced offense hero, so he's all about doing the damage. He favors speed. He's got this hand deal, hand cannon thing that shoots from a distance. It's like little knuckle shots. Then he's got this rocket punch attack for close combat. This thing, like, zooms you in and you pound him in the face. With the giant doom fist. Uh, other attacks include seismic slam, rising uppercut, which is exactly what it sounds like, and a shield called the best defense. Uh, his ultimate ability is called meteor strike. It basically takes a giant leap into the air out of combat, so it's kind of a nice escape as well. And then you put a reticule down where you want to land, and uh, it's a big area that you can severely damage and knock people out of the way. So uh, he's the most fighting game looking character in the game, I think. And he's also Overwatch's biggest enemy. He does work right alongside... Uh, what is the name of the group that Reaper's part of? Shoot. Talon. Talon, that's right. So he's part of that whole mess. And uh, story-wise, we don't know a ton more than that. But uh, Doomfist, kind of a badass. 
looking forward to more skins, though. He's a little spiky for my taste right now, but uh, more skins will be coming, of course. Doomfist on the PTR right now and soon in the game proper. Thanks, everybody, for listening. See you tomorrow. Welcome back to Video Games Daily. I'm Scott Johnson. Star Wars Battlefront 2's open beta details have been announced. Beta is going to run from October 6th through the 9th and let players take part in the galactic assault on Naboo. Or Naboo, depending on how you say it. I'm pretty sure that's the footage we saw from E3. It was that Naboo stuff. So that's exciting. EA has announced those details. Uh, they just did it. And um, also, if you pre-order the game, you can jump in two days earlier than everybody else. For the campaign, that'd be worth it for me. But I think you know, if you want most, you want more players in there for the stuff after, right? Anyway, they're testing the gigantic assault on Naboo, the massive forty-player battle in the streets of Theed. Oh, that was what they showed off at E3. Now that I think about it. Anyway, you can decide which side you want to be on. You can be part of the Separatist Droid Army or the Republican Clones. Republic, rather. <laughs> Not trying to get political here, okay? Uh, you have uh, some trooper stuff to choose from. Assault, heavy, officer, specialist. You'll be able to control iconic Star Wars heroes as well in the pilot prequel era vehicles during the battle. So you'll be able to do stuff from the, you're, you're used to seeing from those prequels. Uh, EA did not share many uh, details regarding the mode itself. So this will be your first chance to kind of get your hands in on all that stuff. The game launches on PS4, Xbox One, and PC on November 17th. So... That should be enough time to test things out and see how it goes. Well, we got some fun news for Middle Earth Shadow of War fans. Got some returning actors and new voice actors. They've been revealed. This is a big deal in a game that I think, relied heavily on voice acting and did a great job for it. So, here you go. You ready? Prolific voice actor Troy Baker returns as Talion. He was your hero in the first one. He'll be that again. And Westworld's Alastair Duncan will be coming back for his role as Celebrimbor. I don't think we need to be killing those right now, he would say all the time. Laura Bailey from Injustice 2, Uncharted 4, A Thief's End, and so on. Laura's great. Plays the elite assassin... El Teriel, I think is how you say her name. And uh, you also got Kum- Kumal Ninjani from Silicon Valley, Mass Effect Andromeda, and other things as Pollyanna McIntosh. Oh, I'm sorry. Pollyanna McIntosh is a character from Walking Dead. Anyway, they have parts in Shadow of War as well. Uh, the one thing of note here is Baker is the game's performance capture director. So he'll not only be doing VO, he will be directing everybody else. The one name I don't see on here. Liam O'Brien, good friend of the program, was in the first one and did a killer job with uh, Gollum. So I think this probably means no Gollum. I don't know for sure. have not been able to confirm any of this. Even if he did tell me, I couldn't say. But I haven't even asked. So (laughs) I think that means no Gollum. So many of you may be aware I played Thimbleweed Park all the way through for a video series I did with my daughter. We live streamed it and then put it on YouTube and enjoyed the heck out of it. Well, uh, Ron Gilbert joint, guys known for lots of really classic great adventure games in the past and this was a Kickstarter that was successful and they made a game and I think it was successful as a game. It was great. Well, if you are a console owner, good news. It's headed to PlayStation 4 this summer and expected on Switch soon. Uh, point and click on that device, maybe more point and press. <laughs> You're not going to click so much as you are going to be touching the screen, I assume. But anyway, uh, many call it the spiritual successor to games like Maniac Mansion and The Secret of Monkey Island. You're getting it on PlayStation 4 on August 22nd. That announcement came from Ron Gilbert, veteran of the adventure game world, as I mentioned before. He led this production with co-creator Gary Winnick. It's a parody of science fiction 
uh, shows like Twin Peaks, X-Files, that kind of stuff, Stephen King books. I enjoyed it a lot. My favorite character was probably Ransom the Clown and probably uh, Agents Ray and Reyes. They were pretty good. Anyway, game's already out on Linux, Mac, Windows, PC, and uh, Xbox One. Uh, but finally, I guess if you're a PlayStation 4 owner, you can play too. Come on in, guys. The water's fine. anything i like more than the playstation 4 pro it's the white playstation 4 pro i don't actually own a playstation 4 pro i have a playstation 4 but anyway if you want a white one it's been announced but you can only get it as part of the destiny 2 bundle brighten up your living room with a hot new white ps4 pro and if you're a destiny fan and you haven't upgraded yet might be the time to do it They announced it today. It's a limited edition package. Comes with a physical copy of the game as well as codes for the expansion pass, which will grant you access to two of the forthcoming add-ons. And an item called Digital Content Pack. If that's the same bundle that's included in Destiny 2's uh, digital edition, will feature a legendary sword, legendary uh, emote, and Cabal Empire-themed emblem. None of that is confirmed, though, but one would think that would make sense. Anyway, it's going to cost you... Uh, the uh, Sorry, the digital deluxe version of the game is $99.99. The console bundle, which contains a Glacier White PS4 Pro with a one terabyte drive and a matching controller, uh, is now pre-orderable with all of that included at $449.99. Uh, in Canada, that's like $549.99. It's like 100 more. Anyway, uh, it's going to be an avail- available in Europe as well, but there is no pricing for that yet. Currently, the PS4 Pro sells for $399, so you're saving about 50 bucks on the whole. But uh, anyway, we don't know anything else about that white thing. I, I wish it would come out on its own. Like, I wish there were just more colors to consoles. Generally, they don't. I don't. I don't like when I have to buy a game with it. I'm getting Destiny 2 on PC this year, so maybe not do that. Maybe just give it to me in another format there, Sony. But. If you were getting Destiny 2 on console and you were looking for a pro, I think this is for you. I feel like not enough people talk about Warframe and how it's grown and done great. It's a great game. Uh, Warframe's adding an open world area later this year. That seems cool. You guys played that at all? It's kind of Destiny-ish. It's a little Diablo-ish too, but it's a shooter, third-person shooter. Anyway, they're getting an open-world area later this year. It will make the cooperative third-person shooter even more like an MMO than it already was. The new area is called The Landscapes. were revealed at the game's second TennoCon, so named for the warriors whom, uh, pl- whom players control in the game. They're called Tennos, I guess. I don't know. I don't play these... I played this game some. I did not get into the story. But you're going to get this later this year on all platforms. Looks like PC Gamer had a detailed Q&A with Rebecca Ford. This is the community manager for Digital Extremes. They are the ones that publish the game. The intent since day one was to take big leaps, creating and adding on to the game in an organic way where we listen to and surprise our players. Uh, this is her quote. So in a way, the game has evolved into a mash of genres that we didn't necessarily plan specifically, but so far we've managed to make sense of. Uh, Warframe has been played on a proce- uh, procedurally generated levels. Landscapes will put it in a specific constructed environment with a day-night cycle in a town called Cetus, where players will meet uh, for quest-giving NPCs and go on missions. Basically a hub is what they're talking about. It's worth checking out, though. If you haven't played Warframe, probably worth playing again. They've also got another uh, new game in development that has me kind of excited. We'll talk about that on a future episode of this show. Thanks for listening, everybody. Tell your friends about anchor.fm slash videogamesdaily. And uh, like the channel, favorite it, and come back tomorrow for more. We'll see you then. Welcome to Video Games Daily. I'm Scott Johnson, and there is stuff to discuss. 
Half-Life 1 just got its first update in years. So it would appear Valve is still working on Half-Life in some form. <laughs> Nearly uh, 20 years old now. Valve's still fine-tuning the PC game. A patch is now out on Steam that fixes a handful of bugs. The first time the game has been updated by the developer in about four years. That surprised me even to know it had only been four years ago. Anyway, uh, here's the rundown. They fixed a crash when entering certain malformed strings into the game console, thanks to uh, some people who reported that. Fixed crashing when loading a specifically crafted malformed BSP file. Fixed malformed SAV files or save files, allowing uh, arbitrary files to be written into the games folder. And fixed a crash when changing weapons that are consumable. They also fixed some decal crash thing. That's crazy to me. A game that's nearly 20 years old still getting getting patch help. Have you played Half-Life 1 in a while? Still an amazing story, but that is a blurry, ugly game. Where's 3, you guys? Where's 3? October 27th is the biggest release day of the year for video games. Do you know why? Well, I'll give you an idea. It's not just video games, but there's a few other things. One of them, by the way, is the release of that new season of uh, Stranger Things. Season 2, that comes out, so you can be busy watching that deal, right? Wolfenstein 2, or Wolfenstein 2, however you say it. The new Colossus, that comes out. Sequel to the uh, 2014's best shooters with BJ Blazkowicz and a whole new story. So there's that. We saw that at E3. Then you got uh, Cloverfield's 2017 sequel coming out. Another movie. So there's that. Another Cloverfield deal, right? Uh, then you got Assassin's Creed Origins that day. That's a big one. Looking forward to that very much. Maybe the most important one, Super Mario Odyssey comes out that day. And will probably be the biggest release that week. I mean, I don't know. Maybe some of these others will surprise us, but uh, that's a big one. And then you can follow that up with a viewing of Jigsaw. The uh, Saw sequel that is not called Saw anymore. It is straight up called Jigsaw. And uh, if you're into that, that's probably got you all excited. For me, the things I'm most interested in on this list are Stranger Things Season 2. In this order, okay? That... Eh, okay, I take it back. Super Mario Odyssey number one. Stranger Things 2. Third on that list, probably Assassin's Creed Origins. Fourth, New Colossus. And then the rest is just sort of in there. Jigsaw is last, because I don't care about that stuff. Anyway, October, shaping up to be huge. Are you ready? Rift headset and controller bundle gets a big discount for limited time. I noticed also that the uh, HTC Vive was super cheap on, uh, for Prime Days on Amazon Prime. That thing was like uh, $6.99. Includes the new Star Trek Battle Stations thing, whatever that's called, and uh, a Vive. That's 200 bucks less than usual, so that's pretty good. Well, Oculus is trying to one-up that. They've got a $399 bundle that is a significant discount. Because you're getting the headset and its two touch controllers. This is a very limited time sort of deal. I might have to do this. Anyway, the bundle starts with the Oculus VR headset. Two touch controllers, like I mentioned. Two sensors that support them. And it also packs in seven games. A remote, an Xbox One controller, and a connector for Rock Band VR guitar controller. Overall, it's 200 bucks off what the hardware would cost if you bought all that stuff separately. Uh, the seven bundled games are Dead and Buried, Dragonfront, Lucky's Tale, Medium, Robot Recall, sorry, Robo Recall, Quill and Toy Box, and uh, they unlock once you set the thing up. So it's a it's a digital thing. You're not getting discs or anything weird like that. It's pretty competitive with PlayStation VR, I gotta say. I mean, the PC side isn't as cheap as the PlayStation cost you, but right now the uh, PSVR is only three ninety nine ninety nine. 
And that does not include the required PlayStation camera. So, in theory, this is a better deal. So anyway, Oculus Rift, maybe it's time for me to add that to my VR repertoire. Give the Vive a little a little uh, company. Because that price is pretty good and I really like those controllers. some Valve news. Valve has banned more than 40,000 Steam accounts. That is the biggest purge in the history of the platform. That is a lot. So SteamDB is a third-party database tool, and uh, they've uncovered a massive spike in Steam account bans. This is how they found this out. More than 40,000, as I mentioned before. Valve sends out a steady stream of data. Third-party sites like SteamSpy used to make sense of the uh, famously secretive storefront. But this keeps track of the number of account bans per day, among other things. And when the summer Steam sales ended on July 5th, they detected a massive spike in bans. A total of 40,401, or sorry, 40,411 accounts shut down. And um, it's all cheater stuff. So a lot of this, they think, came from the Counter-Strike Global Offensive Group, or people who were playing that. Uh, Swept up in the purge is an estimated 8,647 dollars worth of cosmetic items like weapon skins and more people have reached out to valve for comment haven't gotten any but those who get caught by valve's anti-cheat vac system can end up with a single game ban or an account ban so some people you know listen if you're out there going i think i'm going to start cheating in steam i'm going to start cheating and getting the achievements and screwing around in there like that don't do it you're going to get yourself banned son i'm going to go play something on steam i'll see you guys tomorrow Thank you.